Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us today. Um, if you're a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, we would love to get to know you a little better. There are some cards, some uh, visitor cards you can drop in the offering plate. Um, if you don't see them around you, I'll reach out to somebody and they'll get them for you. Uh, just a few announcements to get us going. Um, most everything's in the bulletin, but uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, be sure you grab one so you can keep up with everything. Um, don't forget, youth and, ch and kids, we're going to leave after church today, and we are going to go eat, and then we are going to go skating at Kylie's Skating Ring. Cost us $12. We'll cover the skating and the eating. So any questions about that? Um, we're just going to meet here. We're going to just... After everybody leaves, just hang out. We're going to get in the van. We'll take off. And adults. And adults. If any adults wants to go, yep. Good times. Um, vacation Bible School's coming up July 23rd through the 27th. Um, I'm going to be uh, starting. I've got the, the sign. I'm going to put everything on the sign tomorrow and have it out. Do what? No, the big banner. I got a big banner that's going to be out. I've got that. I've got to put everything on a banner, and so you'll start seeing signs for Vacation Bible School. So uh, keep all that in mind. Um, don't forget about our Wednesday night services. Our youth and children's services are in the building out here. Our adult services are up here at 6:30. Um, I don't think I have any more announcements. I think there's some stuff about deacon nomination, but I'll let the pastor handle that. Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, Deacon Nomination Sunday, so what we are going to do, back it up one, Trey. It's not there. I don't know why it's not there. Oh, there it is. It's on that screen, not that screen in the back. Okay, uh, so this is what we need for you to do real quickly. Um, our deacons are going to pass out uh, the nomination forms. So if you are a member of our church, if you could raise your hand and they will make sure that you get a nomination form. Keep it. Pray about it. Think about it. Who is it that God is telling you to nominate as a deacon? These that will be elected as deacons will serve our church for the next three years. We have two that are rolling off. Jim Kinder and Jim Humphreys are both the Jims are rolling off and so we are nominating to fill their positions. At the end of the service, after the invitation, we will collect those from, from you and they will tally those up and they will talk to those that are nominated and hopefully by next Sunday, we will be able to announce the names that are on the ballot for the upcoming election. During the time between the nominations and the election, each one of the nominees that accept the nomination, that are, their names will be on the ballot, they will have a chance to share their testimony to you. 
their church that they will be serving. Make sure that you are in prayer. Terry, we got a couple more back here. Do what? I'm not, I'm not there yet. So once you get that, just be in prayer that during the service about who it is that God wants you to nominate. And, and Terry, Terry, would you mind giving Ginger an extra one for me? I get to nominate too, so if, if you wouldn't mind giving her, thank you. While they're finishing this up, uh, I think the Willis's over here need some too. But I just need to make you aware before we do pray. Um, many of you know, some of you may not. Ruth Osborne fell yesterday and have a, has a compound fracture of her right arm right above her elbow. She is currently at uh, Atrium Health Charlotte and is going to be going into surgery at noon today to repair that break. So pray for her. Her daughter Donna drove up from Alabama and is with her there at the hospital right now. So uh, pray for her. Also, Louise Jolly, this is Eunice Daggerhart's sister, um, passed away yesterday afternoon at Wendover House in Shelby. So pray for Eunice's family as well and, um, and Diane's family. Okay, everybody have a nomination form? Okay, awesome. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer and begin our time of worship together. Oh, sorry. Wait a second, not yet. <laughs> um, the seniors are going to Strawberry Hill for breakfast Wednesday. We are leaving the church at 9.15. But some may want to drive. And if you do, let me know so that we'll know if we've got enough room on the bus or not but uh, they can't make reservations for one big table for all of us because there's another church going to be there with 30. So we will be sitting in small groups. But uh, if you will, let me know if you're going to ride the bus or drive. Also, Whitey and I would uh, like to thank all of those that came out and worked yesterday. And if you're wondering who came, if you noticed the way Terry Pendleton was walking, or Jim Humphreys, who got knocked down twice, once with a chainsaw in his hand, you'll know who worked. <laughs> but it was very humbly for that big of a crowd to show up and help us. I don't know how we would have got it done, but. They got it done. So thank you, everyone, that came out and helped us. Thank you very much. Here at your house or here? And 6 o'clock, right? Tuesday, the men will get together. And it's not just men. Anybody that wants to come and help work, they're going to be doing some projects around the church building. So 6 o'clock Tuesday, if you're able, please come to that and, and meet them back here at the tool room, back behind the fellowship hall. 6 o'clock. Okay, now let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you, humbly bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, you alone are worthy of worship and praise and all the honor and glory that we can give. Dear Lord, we know that we should praise you when things are going good. But dear Lord, you also deserve the praise when things aren't going good. When things happen. Dear Lord, we have several that are going through difficult times, facing surgeries, difficult diagnoses from the doctors. Some are dealing with work issues and not knowing if they're going to have a job or wanting to change jobs. Some are facing financial difficulties. But dear Lord, there are only two things that we can control. And I was thinking about this on the way to church this morning. We can only control how we act and how we react. We can't control circumstances. We can't control issues. And we cannot control other people. But dear Lord, we can control how we act. Dear Lord, help us to act as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we can control how we react. And dear Lord, help us to react as you would react. Take control of our lives, dear Lord. Take control of this service. Move among your people this morning. Change lives as only you can. Speak through me. Speak through the choir and Sandra as they lead us in worship. Speak through Chad as he speaks to the children and leads their, their time. Dear Lord, that you would make us into the church and the disciples that you would want us to be. Disciples that make more disciples. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray and we give you all the honor and glory. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship on page 192, Soon and Very Soon. We'll sing the first and the second verses, and then we will worship through our giving of our tithes and offerings. 192. <laughs> Yeah. Uh -huh. 
let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what an honor it is to give back to you just a small portion you have blessed us with. Take this gift, bless it, use it to further your kingdom. For it is your holy name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, 243, Sweet, Sweet Spirit, 243. <coughs> <coughs> everybody today everybody doing good I got a question who likes fruit you guys like fruit what's your favorite fruit Mine is an 
an apple, a banana. What's your favorite fruit, Isabel? A watermelon is a fruit. Everly, do you like fruit? Everly, you don't like fruit? Oh, man. All right. So. Do you, you, this is good advice. Thomas said is banana is a food you eat, a fruit you eat, and you do not put it in your ear. So, in case you guys, we've learned something new today. I always stick my bananas in my ears first. So, now I know not to do that. All right, thank you for that insight, Thomas. But fruit is good for us, right? So, but I got a question. What if you took, what if Thomas, if you planted an apple tree in your yard and it got really, really, really big, it started growing and it got huge, it filled up your yard and it never put any apples out, what would you do? You'd throw it away in the trash, right? It wouldn't do, it, a, a, true, a fruit tree, if it doesn't produce fruit, is it doing anything? Other than taking up space, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to read a story when we go outside about a, huh? About a about a tree who didn't that wouldn't grow fruit. But we're not talking about trees and fruit today, really. We're talking about us and growing fruit. Did you know you can grow fruit? No. You can. You can grow fruit. But it's not apples or bananas. It's fruit that comes from our relationship with God and who God makes us. Um, we're going to talk about these fruits, but I'm going to tell you in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, listen to these fruits we grow, Thomas, okay? You said you didn't grow fruits, but listen to these. We can grow love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control those are fruits that we bear as followers of God now you said a fruit tree is not doing any good if it's not growing fruit right if you come what if you what if you come and you say I say all right God I love you and I want to follow you but you never grow any of these fruit are you really following God if you're not growing these fruit? No. no love, love is right there at the beginning. It's and such an important part of loving God and being a Christian and knowing who God is. Because God loved us and we, He wants us to love Him and He wants us to love other people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and we're going to sit on the front row and we're going to read more about the story when we go out to Children's Church, okay? But I want to encourage you guys to grow fruit. Start growing fruit this week. If you hadn't grown it before, grow it today. Love other people. Care for other people. I care for you. I care for you, Thomas. I love you too. Let's bow our heads. Go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these boys and girls. Lord, help us to go out into the world and grow fruit for you, Lord, so that we can share the love that you give to us, to all the people around us. I love you and I praise you, and I ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Hi,
The title of the sermon today is Serving the Church. But before I read the scripture, you know, a few years ago, it's actually been several years ago, a great theologian published something. And this theologian's name was Tim McGraw. Okay, Tim McGraw is not a theologian, is he? By any means. But he did release a song called Live Like You Were Dying. And how the news that you didn't have much longer to live impacted his life. Now I'm not going to tell you to go skydiving. I'm not going to tell you to to, uh, uh, not, you're not, definitely not going to tell you to ride a bull for 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But I want you to think about this. If the end was coming, how would it impact how you lived your life? We are going to look at someone that's a whole lot smarter than Tim McGraw. Because we're going to look at the living Word of God. And we're going to see what he told us through the Apostle Peter. So if you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and turn to verse 7. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. And if you would stand... As I read this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11 through 11 says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as if it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength 
with God's supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank You for what we see written. Thank You for inspiring Peter to write Your words. And dear Lord, how applicable are they to us today just as when He wrote them. Bless the reading of Your Word. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The very first words that we read here, the end is near. The end of all things is at hand. You see, when Jesus left this earth in the cloud, and His disciples and those that worshipped Him and saw Him as their Savior and the true Son of God, when they were gathered around watching Him go up into heaven on that cloud, and they just stood there gawking, there were a couple of angels that appeared, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here staring at the sky? And they made a promise. This same Jesus that you saw go away will come back just as you've seen Him go. And they literally took those angels and that promise and they took it to heart and they lived their lives as if Jesus was going to return at any moment. And it impacted them so greatly. What would it be like if in today's society, the church, His disciples, grabbed hold of that idea and believed that with all their heart that Jesus was coming back at any moment and our time was short? How would that affect us? What would we do? Would we be content with just sitting? Or would we want to go and tell every single person that we knew about Jesus Christ and how He was coming back and how you had to know Him? And that if they did not trust Him and they did not accept Him, that they were going to die and go to hell. What would happen to our churches? We wouldn't see the fighting that we see. We wouldn't see people thinking they were better than other people. We wouldn't see parking lots empty of the church on Sunday morning and the parking lots of the country clubs and the golf courses packed. Peter just doesn't say 
that the end is coming. So watch out. He literally tells them the return of Christ is continuing to draw closer every day. And therefore, you must live a life of earnest and serious prayer. This doesn't mean that you're walking around like a monk and you're going all the time. What he is talking about is that we're in constant and serious communication with Jesus. That we're also always asking Him what we should do, how we should do it. And we're listening for Him to answer back. I've told you this before. When you're in a relationship with somebody, communication is a two-way street. Sometimes it doesn't work. But I know that there are people sitting in this, con in this congregation this morning that their husband or wife is no longer with us. And they would give their right arm to be able to talk to them one more time. We get to talk to Jesus anytime we want to. And He is waiting for us to talk to Him. We at His church need to have that same desire that we would give anything for the opportunity to talk like Jesus. Or talk to Jesus. That is the attitude that we need to have. And then He goes on and tells us how we are to go about all of this. Fervent love without complaint. Verses 8 and 9. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. In the light of Jesus' return, we should have a strong love for our fellow, fellow believers. That means that we put aside our differences. We put aside our preferences and just love. Not expecting somebody to change to get our love, but loving them the way they are and letting God do any changing that needs to take place. Not our job to change people. I'm going to break this to you. And this is a theologically sound, even though you may not see it. But there's going to be people in the Bible you don't like. Or people in heaven that you don't like. There's going to be people in the church that you don't like. You know what we do in that case? 
We need to build a bridge and get over it. Because Jesus loves them just the way they are, even though we may not like them. Here's another thought. God doesn't love people just because we think He ought to. And He doesn't withhold love from people just because we think He ought to. Because He's God. And we're not. We are to love each other with a fervent love. says here that love covers a multitude of sins. Now let's break this down a little bit. Love covers a multitude of sins. The song the choir sang, when love was slain, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It was love that made Jesus spread out His arms and lay them there as they nailed Him to that cross. It was love that caused Him to take our sins upon Himself. The man that knew no sin became sin for us. So yes, love covers a multitude of sin. But it's not just the love of Christ that covers our sins. Love also covers the sin of the one loving as well as the one being loved. When we love someone the way Christ wants us to love someone, we, the one that are giving the love, we receive something We receive our sins being covered. Because when we love someone, the person that we are loving, we don't care about their shortcomings. We don't care about their mistakes. We love them anyway. If there is someone here right now that is perfect and never makes a mistake, please raise your hand. If there is someone here this morning that has experienced love 
overcoming their sins. Raise your hand. Then what right people do we have to with deny that love to other people? If we're recipients of that love, that's what Peter's saying. That we have to love each other with that fervent love. And that love leads us to overlooking and forgiving. sins. And love also expresses itself in showing hospitality. The the doing things. Fellowship. This Greek word that denotes they hear about complaining, it denotes a muttering or low speaking as a sign of displeasure. It depicts a spirit that is opposite of cheerfulness. You know what I'm talking about? When something is done begrudgingly, you know that you may have, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but somebody's doing something and they're going, I can't believe that. And they're doing this while they're, they're, while they're doing that. They're being hospitable with the wrong attitude, which is not hospitality at all. Hospitality is opening our lives, our home, our hearts to other people. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those that we want to witness to, that we want to share the gospel with. Opening our lives to them. Bringing them in to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And then look what he says here. Special gifts. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever shares is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Love will show itself as we give to our church family what God has given to us as gifts. And we do so. We are good stewards of the many-faceted or many-fold grace of God that He has given to us. The gifts. We talked about last week how God has gifted us for the common good, for the building and edification of the body. That's why He gifts us through the Holy Spirit. Everybody here that knows Jesus Christ as their, their, Holy, their, their, their Savior has been infused with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells in you and you have been given a gift. 
Sometimes more than one. But you've been given a gift to use to, for the common good of the church. Not only the local church, but the church as a, a whole. All of those that believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. But that is displayed in the local church. Not everybody here has a, an opportunity to go and, witness and, and build the entire kingdom. But you can impact the local church. And it ripples out. Paul makes it clear that he was what he was only by God's grace. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. I don't know how much clearer Paul could put it than here. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, that was personally responsible for sharing the Gospel to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Does he say, look what I did? Is that what he says? No. He says, it is by God's grace I am what I am. And yes, I worked hard and I labored hard, but it wasn't me that did the hard work. It was the grace of God in me. Paul did what he did because he was gifted by God and called by God to do what he did. The idea here that Paul says that, that, that he did not, that the grace that God showed him did not show up as vain. It's the idea that if we were bad stewards of the manifold grace of God, it is as if the grace was given to us in vain. The, that grace is wasted because it only comes to us and doesn't move through us. As Chad was talking this morning with the children, it's as if we are a tree and we get the fertilizer and we get the water and we produce no fruits. But the Bible says that we will be known by our fruits. And God's grace is not in vain. And here's something we need to realize too, that every part is important. Each of us has a job to do, even the smallest 
seemingly least important part of the body of Christ is important. There is no meaningless jobs. There is no meaningless gifts. See, a man was rebuilding an engine on a lawnmower. And when he finished, he had one small part left over. And he couldn't remember where it went. He started the engine and it ran great. So he figured that the part was useless until he tried to stop the lawnmower. And it wouldn't stop. And he realized that this small little part that he had forgotten about was vitally important to the operation of that mower. Church, God has given us everything that he, we need to accomplish what He's called our church to do. He has brought you here. He has gifted you to fill those needs in the church. And there is no insignificant part. There is no insignificant job. There is no insignificant person. If you think that you are insignificant, that you're not important, let me remind you of this fact. That the God of all creation sent His Son to die a horrible death for you. You cannot believe that and believe that you're not important. You cannot believe that and believe that you're insignificant. You cannot believe that and believe it doesn't matter if you're here or not. But on the other hand, don't think so highly of yourself to think that without you, the walls would fall. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who you are. If you think too highly of yourself, God has a way of reminding you That He can do it without you. For six months, I was out of commission because of the blood clots that I had in my lungs. I was the youth pastor then. Did the youth ministry stop? No. It kept going. I was gone for two weeks in Florida while my dad was passing away. Did the church stop? 
No. Did Sunday school and Sunday morning and Wednesday night get canceled? No. Why? Because God raised up other people to fill those spots in my absence. And people were willing to use their gifts. They may not have always been as comfortable with it, but they did it anyway. You have heard this said very many times. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. All you have to do is make yourself available. Say, yes, God, I will do it. I may not be comfortable. It may not be what I want to do. But I will do whatever it is that you want me to. And I'm going to tell you, when you have that attitude, and you are willing to love His church, and you're willing to give of yourself, and you do what He's calling you to do, regardless if you think it's insignificant or not, He will bless that. And He will bless the church because of it. As we serve one another, we do it with the strength God provides, the ability with God, that God, which God supplies, so that it, to Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. It is not by us, but it is God through us. And church, if we live our life like we were dying, if we conducted ourselves as if Jesus Christ Himself, at any moment, we would hear that trumpet sound. And we would see His face. We would conduct ourselves in such a different way. We would not be satisfied with mediocre. We would not be satisfied with average. We would not be satisfied with just going through the motions. It wouldn't matter to us what people thought about us. It wouldn't matter that if you walked in and people walked away from you. It wouldn't matter. Because we would be doing what God wants us to do. Church, I challenge you. Be the disciple that is expecting Jesus to come back at any minute. Don't just sit there. But get up and do whatever it is He's calling you to do. Now here's the invitation. It's simple. Do whatever God is telling you to do. As we sing these song, this song, don't waste any time. Sandra, I'm going to ask you, I only sing one verse. We're not going to waste time. If God is telling you to do something right now. 
We've got one verse to do it. Don't waste the time. As we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing 379. Brethren, we have met to worship. Thank you for being here. And I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but she's sitting back there in the back. And I'm going to tell you, I love that lady. She was part, uh, it's her fault, part of her fault that I'm here in the first place because she was on the, the, the search committee that called me here as youth pastor. But Miss Mona's back there. She's with us again today. <clears throat> So uh, make sure you, you speak to her. And remember to pray for Ruth. In 30 minutes, she should be going through surgery to repair her broken arm. So uh, remember her. Also, if you could, if you've got your deacon nomination forms, if you could pass them to the inside aisle as Jim Kinder comes to dismiss us in prayer, I'm going to ask, the deacons, if they could gather these up. <laughs> Thank you. Don't forget, the youth and children are going skating immediately following the service and for lunch. Um, Tuesday, work day, 6 o'clock, back here behind the fellowship hall at the tool room. And then Wednesday morning, seniors 9, leaving the church at 9.15. That doesn't mean show up at 9.15. That means that you're on the bus ready to pull out at 9.15. I'm going down to Strawberry Hill. And then Wednesday night, Bible study at 6.30 here in the fellowship, or in the sanctuary. And then the youth and children will be down in the youth building. But thank you for being here. Do me a favor. Live like you were dying for Jesus this week. Live like you were dying for Jesus. Thank you. Jim. I know we were talking about uh, gifts this morning. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of uh, another beautiful Sunday to gather here to worship you. Uh, we have the freedom and the choice and the opportunity to be here, and we thank you for that. 
Uh, earlier this week, we celebrated our freedom as a nation. And we have all kinds of freedom that we celebrated, but one of the best freedoms that we do have is, is the freedom to gather here, worship you, and the freedom of speech that we can share the gospel with uh, other people throughout the week. And uh, those freedoms are precious, and they're very precious to us. And uh, we, also have the we also have the gift of your indwelling spirit. And it's not always as obvious or visible, but a verse came to prominence this week uh, that Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians. And uh, toward the end of chapter 4, he wrote, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And, of course, being renewed by your indwelling spirit for, for believers. The first part about that, is, the first part of that is outwardly wasting away. Uh, and, of course, that's obvious. We, our prayer list here at church gets longer and longer and longer. And we all have injuries and sicknesses and diseases and everything else. And um, even simply the process of aging affects all of us. Now, the young folks among us don't realize that yet, but the older ones um, just look around, and those brave enough even to look in the mirror. But that's what Paul says we're wasting away, but on the outside. But on the inside, <laughs> we have the gift of, of, your indwelling, of your indwelling spirit. And for that... Um, we are totally thankful. And I know sometimes as humans we uh, look at ourselves as a house uh, thinking that we need all kinds of fix-up and things repaired and everything else, but what we really ought to do is look at ourselves as finished, finished work um, by, the, by the work of Jesus on the cross. We look at ourselves as finished work. And... Um, that the gift of your indwelling spirit, we should uh, live that out outwardly so that it's not just a subtle <coughs> belief in our minds, but that it's an outward appearance that we live that way and, and show it and, 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 um <coughs> and exemplify that as we go about our, our daily life. And, for <coughs> and it certainly is a gift and uh, made possible by again, by Jesus' work on the cross. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 